welcome to Road to Billions podcast, the mentality of an entrepreneur, with your host, Moise Bertrand. Hey, what's up, everybody? It is Road to Billions, and your host today is Moise Bertrand, and today we have Christopher Daniels, you know, the mentor, the real estate guru that we always have on every episode of Road to Billions, and today he's going to answer some questions on, you know, some real estate investing in. The most familiar question that everybody was asking us in the last couple of weeks was, what are the advantages of each type of investment property? So pretty much what we're saying is, how do single family differentiate from duplexes? How do duplex differentiate from, you know, even bigger projects? So can you give us a little bit of insight, Mr. Daniels? Right. So that's that's like a really common question. I really, and I kind of like that, right? So let, let me use like an analogy, right? So if you ask like a good football team, like, okay, are you a running team? Are you a passing team? Are you a combination of both? It just depends on the scenario, right? right? So certain games, you may be a running team. Certain games, you might be a passing team, depending on what you're going against, right? So the same thing in real estate. So in certain markets, single-family properties are the move. That's the way to go. In certain markets, multifamily properties are the way to go. In certain markets, commercial uh, properties are the way to go, right? So it really just depends on the individual and their objective. So let me kind of just... Um, focus in a little bit on single family, right? Single family is the simplest product to deal with. It's the easiest one to get financing for. It's the easiest one to buy. And it's the easiest one to sell, right? Because it's the product that everyone's familiar with. Everyone understands a house, right? Because right? Right. most people have either lived in a house in their lifetime or know someone who lives in the house, right? So we've all, we all understand that product. Multifamily gets a little bit more complicated, right? Just because think, you know, how many people want to buy a duplex or a triplex, not that many, not right? That many for real. Except for investors. So now you've eliminated, you know, 80% or so, or I don't, maybe that number's not exactly correct, but a large percentage of the population, because now when you're selling multifamilies, you're primarily only selling to investors. Right. Versus a single family, you're selling to every single person who can want a house, including investors, because investors buy single family houses. That makes sense. All right. Commercial is even the next step, right? Because most commercial properties are, you know, up in price. There's a, it's a little bit more complicated. So even people who invest, invest in real estate on kind of a small scale are unable to afford commercial properties, right? So commercial properties are, again, a smaller market, very, very, very uh, more sophisticated people that you're dealing with. So it's a much different market, but it's also a very lucrative market, but it's a little bit more challenging. Definitely. So my question to you is, when someone is actually, you know, actually investing into real estate, do you think they should only focus on single family or, most, or do, should they actually, you know, mostly, you know, spread their portfolio around? Right. So in real estate, what we call, we call it asset classes, right? Mm-hmm. So you have asset classes and you have like different types, right? So um, just depending on, uh, it, it's really hard to like answer like what a person should do, Right. Because if they're in certain cities, they should do this. If they're in other cities, they should do this. So let me just put it like this. You cannot, in most cities, I mean, of course, there's always exceptions, but in generally almost any city in America, you cannot miss with single-family properties. The reason why is because there's a humongous shortage of housing. Right. Right? And there's, there are a lot of people who do not want to live in apartments. Right? They would prefer to rent a house. Right? So... One of the fastest growing uh, segments or markets in the country right now is single family, new construction, single family rentals, right? So people are building the same houses that you see out in the suburbs 
and but they're built to rent. Right. Right. So one of the hottest segments right now is built to rent, right? But here's check this out, right? So you're let's just let's just use some numbers, right? With real estate, you gotta gotta get down to the numbers. Definitely. So let's let's say you want to build a two thousand square foot house, right? And uh, let's just say let me bust my trusty calculator out. <laughs> All right. So let's say you want to build a 2,000 square foot house, right? Okay. So 2,000 square foot. And let's say the cost of construction is 150 a square foot, right? So 2,000 times 150 is 300,000, right? Plus the cost of land. So let's say the cost of land is 20,000. And then plus whatever markup. So let's just say a $30,000 markup. And when you say markup, what do you mean by that? The profit for the person who's selling it to you. Okay, cool. All right. So basically, you're looking at for a 2,000 square foot house, you're looking at about $350,000, right? Now, let's say I can find a 2,000 square foot house that I can renovate and it only costs $180,000, right? That's why people do that because it's cheaper to renovate and buy pre-existing houses than it is to build new. That makes sense. So pretty much the whole philosophy of real estate is renovate and rent out. And renovate, rent out, renovate, rent out, and and and, and refi. Okay, right? and there's a method for that. Can you say the name, name of the method? Right, so we call it, you know, they call it the BRR. Um, so you can, you know, buy, renovate, rent, refinance, you know, all, all and repeat. The, okay. the, those are the four R's and the BRRR. But um, that's one of the most common methods of people doing it. Um, I would really suggest in most cities, like I said, the, the existing stock of housing is, generally speaking, much cheaper. And that's the same in multifamily. It's the same in commercial. New construction is very expensive, uh, and it's becoming more and more expensive for several reasons. One, because the cost of land is a lot more expensive now, and then also because there's a lot of rules and regulations that you have to, that you have to follow now that you did not have to follow back in those days. That makes sense, yeah. So, you know, it, it makes it very expensive to build things now. So if you can find existing products and just update them on the inside or maybe update, you know, whatever needs to be updated, that's a lot more value um, in, in terms of bang for your buck. Okay, so my question is, so if, it's, if a person is a new investor, where would you recommend them start looking for, you know, investment properties, like in the suburbs and, you know, low-income communities? Like, where would you specifically advise them to go ahead and invest in? Right, so I, I advise people to go to urban areas, or urban core areas, right? So areas that, that have a good, solid, that are in the city, close to the city, or close to, like, the major attractions of the city. Right. Um, and try to find houses there because the trends, I mean, you know, trends, trends are funny because, you know, for a long, for the last, I would say five to 10 years or so, there was a huge trend of people kind of moving back into the cities. Now there's a trend of people moving out, but you know, one thing, one thing that I've seen with trends is that, you know, they kind of come and go. Right. So, you know, uh, if you're in a good area with good schools, with good, uh, you know, amenities and whatnot, no matter what, at the end of the day, your 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 properties are going to are going to do well. So, you you have a different investment strategy depending on the area that you're investing in, mm-hmm. right? So, if I'm investing in the suburbs, then I'm really investing for appreciation, because I'm assuming that eventually, this house that I'm renting out, that a homeowner is going to want to buy it, and I can sell it at like top market value, right? Versus in the city, I'm assuming I'm assuming kind of the opposite, right? That you know, for a long time or for the foreseeable future, I'm really going to be renting this thing out. Right. Now, you have, if you have, like, gentrification or urban renewal, whatever they want to call it, where a lot of people start moving back to the city again, then you also could do the same thing as people do in the suburbs, which is rent it out for a few years, 
fix it up, and then sell it on the top of the market. Okay. So say, for example, I didn't know nothing about real estate, um, you know, investing or anything. So I'm going to walk you through this whole scenario, and you tell me what's the next step for a new investor. Gotcha. So I found me a house inside of a distressed neighborhood. Okay. Um, the house is distressed, I'm sorry. And, you know, it's, it's my budget is below market price, and I'm, I already have the contractors and everybody in place. Now, when it comes to actually buying the house, how do I go about that without actually getting ripped off? Because, you know, a lot of people, they don't really know about what to look for inside of a property to make it appreciate. So what are some things that, say, for example, if the kitchen's already, you know, renovated, but everything else is messed up, is that still a deal? Right. So just a little stuff like that. Exactly. So, so the first thing you want to do, so if you're inexperienced, the first thing you want to do is hire a great inspector. Right. Right. So a home inspection could cost anywhere from 100 bucks to 300 bucks, and that's the best uh, investment that you'll ever make, right, for a young investor. So hire a great home inspector, and they're going to go and look at the things that you don't think about, right? So the average person, when they walk in the house, a, a novice person is going to look at the kitchen, look at the bathroom, maybe look at, oh, does the paint look nice? Mm-hmm. A home inspector is not even concerned with none of that stuff. Right. They're going to be looking at the roof, the foundation, the plumbing, the electrical, the things that really actually make a house work, the plumbing, things like that, right? So if it gets to a home inspector, you notice you have a solid house, right? Anything else could be easily changed, you know, kitchens, cabinets, paint, you know, a lot of little things in the house that people notice. Those things could be easily changed, but when you have roofing problems, foundation problems, things like that, uh, those things are major, major repairs that, as a rookie investor or a first-time investor, you may or may not want to deal with. Right, right. That makes perfect sense. So when it comes to someone who is in the opposite, you know, opposite direction, they find a distressed house, but they don't have any contractors, how do you first find contractors in the city? And, you know, not everybody has all the funds in place. So how do you know exactly how to go about being priced because if you don't know anything about real estate investing, what's the first thing someone should do if they're contacting a contractor, knowing the prices, and how to even know if this contractor is actually you know good for the job because you know right. they do some bad work sometimes in, in, in the past. Absolutely. So you know on, on this podcast, I think we say have said a hundred thousand times that they should get a mentor. Right. Right. And and the reason why we keep saying that is because you keep seeing that this problem is going to keep coming up and down, up and down, up and down because there's no way to replace experience. Right, you just can't do it. Right, so if someone is more experienced, they can tell you from experience, like, "Hey, I used this person before. You should use them." Right. I mean, there's nothing more powerful than that. Right. So get so try to find a mentor. If you can't find mentors, a great place to go are to real estate investing groups. Right. So every city has real estate investing groups, and usually in those real estate investing groups are those real estate investing meetups. People advertise. So you'll see plumbers advertising. You'll see this advertising, you know, this, that, and the other. A lot of people who have different trades advertising. Um, And, you know, once you get that, then, bam, okay, you can find some solid people through that or just ask for referrals. I mean, you know, the good thing about it is most people are familiar with contractors um, or or contractors so they can say, look, I've dealt with this person before. I've dealt with this person before. They'll refer you to someone. Or you can do it the other way, right? So there's two ways to do it. So that's the first way. Right. So I'll, I'll tell you how I did it when I first started. I just set my budget and I said, look, I have twenty thousand dollars to fix this house. And I just interviewed contractors until I found somebody who said they would do it for that price. And that was it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, maybe that wasn't the wisest thing to do <laughs> at the end of the day. I mean, of course, you know, I, the, this person, you know, I checked out and make sure they was good. It's down the other. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I decided that, look, 
I'm not going to just sit back and let them give me bids. Because what if they bids ain't what I want to pay? And then now we're just wasting time. So I'm like, look, I got 20 grand to fix this house. And, you know, can you do it for this? And some said no. And some said yes. You know, so we sit down, bump, bump out the detail, da, 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 da. And then at the end of the day, we get the job done. So when you're early, like I said, early in the game, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But there's a lot of different ways to do it. Definitely. Um, you know, from my, I have a question as well. So if I was a, was, a, was a person who wanted to go into multifamily homes and duplexes and such that, because I already purchased my first property, right. what's the, how do I, is that, is that process different from a single family? And of course, because it's different rooms, it's a unit. So how would that go if someone wants, wants to go either straight to that level or is wanting to make that next level in real estate investing? Right. So a lot of people, depending on like the areas that you live in, there may be an abundance of multifamily multifamily properties out there, right? So multifamily may be smart for you, right? Um, I know in Cincinnati for a long time, there were just tons and tons of multifamilies. There still are uh, multifamily properties that you can buy for very, very, very cheap. Right. Um, so it didn't make sense. It was actually the, the multifamily properties were cheaper than single family properties in some instances because people just didn't want to deal with tenants and all that type of stuff. So um, yeah, so so I would say with multifamily, it's just it's it's the same thing. It's just multiplied. So the reason why you have to get good at what you do is and ha- and have a system is because then you can scale it. Right. Right. So just just for example, you see, you see that right now we're we're doing a renovation over there on Palm Beach Street, right? So once I've done one of those apartments, I can do all of them because I know exactly how much it's going to cost because they're the same square footage. Right. Right. So. I did the flooring in one of them, bam. Okay, now I know all six of them, what it's going to cost. I did the lights in one of them, I know what it's going to cost in all of them. Like, unless something comes up or something odd or something like that. So what you, what you need to do is you need to develop a system for multifamily because you, now you're going to be dealing with five, six, seven, eight, ten, twelve, fifty, sixty 10, 12, 50, 60 different units, right? So if you don't have a system, you can't just be winging it, right? Because yeah. then you can go way over budget. Um, and, 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 when you're dealing with multifamily properties, a lot of times you're gonna you're gonna have to have investors. That makes sense, right? So you know, um, maybe maybe as a bonus or maybe in the course, I'll show you. Uh, I just raised uh, some money from an investor this morning. Actually, I got the check this morning, and I'll show you what I gave him and what he was asking me for. Because you know, I can't just come to him like, "Hey, I need this money." Yeah. He want to know, well, what are you gonna use it for? <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, how my money sense, gonna right? come back, man? Right. And then you want to know how was exactly. You want to know first of all. What am I going to do with it and how am I going to give it back? Right. Right. So understanding that. And what I'm saying is if you don't have a solid system, people are going to look at you like, nah. Yeah. You know, so with multifamily is great, but, you know, it just requires you to be a little bit more organized and have a better system. Yeah, that makes sense. Because when I was witnessing you actually doing this, you actually had everything already set in stone, like the plans, the the budget, you was already telling to the contractor, and he already knew what you was talking about. So I kind of got a firsthand experience of how you actually doing things, which is really, like, you know, grateful and stuff because a lot of people don't don't get that experience. But it's essentially how you just said that one, you, you just you just pretty much multiplying everything else, and you get that whole total budget. So when my, my next question is, how do you go when you do projects like that? Are you ever going to do a project like that? alone or could you are you forever going to continue to raise money to do projects or future projects yeah so okay so so i I, i'll explain the raising money thing right so a lot of times raising money is misunderstood right so a lot of times it's smarter to raise money because your money could be better used in another way right right so for example what i decided what what i decided last year was that look 
prices of real estate are appreciating so much, I'm just going to buy as much as I can, right? So instead of me buying it and then saving money for the repairs, I just bought as much as I could, right? So I was like, bam, let me buy a bunch of real estate. And then as I go through those products, the great thing about it is because the prices keep going up, I'll just, give, I'll just use the numbers for, for one property, right? Okay. So a duplex I bought up in Cincinnati for $44,000 uh, last year, almost a year ago now, right? We're about to finish renovating that when I go up there. Now, if I would have renovated it immediately last year, the ARV for that property was about one twenty, right? Because I waited, the ARV for that same property is about one sixty five now. And so you didn't even touch it yet. I didn't touch it. So it went up in value $40,000 by me just staying alive. Yeah. Right? So you see what I'm saying? Yeah, this so, appreciation. So, so that appreciation. So what you want to do is you want to get a hold of these assets and let the more expensive asset go up in value. Right, that right? makes sense. And then borrowing, the, the, the good thing about borrowing money is this, right? There's no limit to how much money you can borrow, right? There's a limit to how much money we can make, right? But there's no limit to how much you can borrow. I mean, just think about it. You could ask 100 people for uh, $1,000 or $10,000. You know, you can ask 1,000 people for, you can raise an infinite amount of money. So it's actually more efficient to raise money than it is to use your own money. Yeah. I actually, you know, I'm a, I'm a great believer in that because I feel like if you're a person who know how to budget and everything yeah. and you're a responsible person, responsibly, that's why I said responsible because right. you, you just can't collect all this money and have it in your account because it looks good. I think that one of the biggest things with being an investor is like once you start raising money, you kind of have that foundation to know, okay, this is how much money I need to you know, put away for this and you start yeah. having expenses. So what, when you started raise, raising your first big check, how did you feel and then did you feel like this was something that was at the beginning? Like did you feel like you could do this on a bigger scale? Yeah, absolutely. So, so I, look at it, I look at it two ways, right? So for me, I look at it like this. I'm creating a play and I'm making everybody money. Right. You know what I'm saying? So... I created a, so for this house that I bought, I'm making a lot of people money. You know what I'm saying? So I'm making me money. I'm making other people money, my investors money. I'm making the bank money. And I'm going to be making, you know, the city money by paying taxes. Right. So everybody eating off of this deal, right? So I'm looking at it. So I look at it like that. So like my investors literally are making money in their sleep. They're not doing anything other than, you know, their normal nine to five or whatever they do for a living. So I'm literally creating passive income for someone. And you know, changing their life, you know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, you know, a lot of people don't have the opportunity to earn the type of interest that I can give them on a real estate investment because you can't get that right now, you know, in the stock market or other things like that because things are so up and down and so volatile. So, right. you know, I look at it I look at it from a service from a service perspective, like I'm helping a lot of people. Um, and I feel like I have an obligation to do that because, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of people believe in me. They support me. Um, and so I want to make as much money for my investors as possible. Yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely a code to live by. I feel like once, once people believe in you, it's only, for, it's only up from there. Right. Like you only could do much, much more with that, with that courage and everything they're giving you. And, and the thing about it is like when, when, when it's other people's money on the line, you're going to go harder. I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, there's the, the, the one thing that you have is your faith. Face card. You know I'm saying a face card is good. So people know my face card is good. Anybody put up money for me, they know I'm bringing that thing right back when I said I was going to bring it back. And same thing, same thing the other way, right? So I put up money for people for deals too, and they bring that money right back. So I done been on both sides of the equation. So I've been the, I've been the investor, and I've been the recipient of investment. So I understand both sides of the, of, of the equation. Okay. So essentially, what piece of advice would you give someone who 
like we mentioned on every podcast, who's afraid of taking that big step, especially if they don't have any money at all. So they go, who's the nearest person someone should go ahead and ask for an investment if they want to go ahead and ask, you know, I mean, if they want to purchase a property. I think that's the best way to ask that question. Right. So, so the first thing is to have a deal, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have a deal and you could show someone how you can make them money, all they can do is say no, but they won't be mad at you. Right. Right. So if I came to you and like, hey, man, I got a way you can make five grand, you know, you might say no, you might not believe it, but you're not going to be mad. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, look, I can make you some money. Um, and, and, and that's really how you got to look at it, right? So if, if you're doing a deal, um, you just have to figure out how can you entice someone to one, believe in you, and two, believe in the deal. Because really, it's not about the deal, it's about you. Right. Right? So, so now, because people know that I'm a good investor, they don't, I don't even have to explain the deals. You don't even have to. You're just like, man, stop playing I'm just games. like, look, bro, this is how much I need, and that's why I'm going to give you the money back. And they're going to just give it to me, right? But at, at first, some people would be like, well, you know, let me see this, let me see that, da 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 But after a while, you don't have to do that. But what I'm saying is, at first, it's really about you, right? So the thing you got to do is you have to create your credibility. Right. So can you have a fluid, conversant, conver- or fluent conversation about real estate with someone, right? So can you explain, like, okay, if you buy a house, this is going to happen, who are the contractors? Like, every, you know, all the little things. It's the fine details. The details. If you can explain the details, then people are going to want to invest. If not, they're going to be a little hesitant because it's like you're supposed to be the expert, right? Yeah, you're not confident in yourself, so how could I even give you some bit of change because you're not even confident? Right. And then also, you don't want to seem too hungry. Like, you know, it's, 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 it's two sides to it, right? So you want to be, you, you, first of all, you have to be knowledgeable, then you also have to be credible, and then you have to be trustworthy. Right. Right? So... If I seem like, oh, I'm going to take someone's money and run off and buy a BMW, they're not going to want to invest with me. You feel what I'm saying? Karma, too. It's going to get repoed or something's going to happen to that BMW. But that's really, that's, I feel like people need to have that conversation. Like, right. go ahead and ask. It's, the worst thing you could hear is no. Like, I feel like that's the worst thing someone could ever tell you. Like, if I ask you for something, you tell me no. I'm like, well, at least I asked one. And... In, in the posing, I, I'm wondering around if I ever ask that question, I never will get the answer to it. Right. So I feel like raising money is one of the biggest things. Also, another point you made was also just being having that face card, establishing a relationship. So when was the first time you actually asked someone? But were you okay? My question is when you ask someone for the first time, your first time investor, were you afraid of the answer at the end of the day? Like, you know, were you afraid because you really needed it or how, how did that play out? Right. So, so here's what I did, right? So I, made them ask me, right? So I, I, I'll put it like this, right? So they always saw me coming in the bank, right? Or, or they always they always saw me doing real estate deals. And they were like, well, wait a minute. Why, why is this person... Keep coming in here, Coming in here. Why are they always doing deals? <laughs> I mean, you know, frankly, I mean, I remember... So I'll just tell, just tell, tell the story. Um, you know, the person saw my bank account and they saw, you know, what was the amount that was in there. Mm-hmm. And they asked me like, hey, what do you do for a living? You know, and I told them I do real estate. And they were like, well, how can I get involved in that? You know, and I was like, well, you know, da, da, da. And then the relationship grew from there, right? So basically, I already had some credibility. So they saw that whatever I was doing, it was successful. Um, and, and that's kind of how the relationship began. Another way is, you know, I post a lot on social media, right? So people see me doing deals. And sometimes people will be like, hey, you know, I got this amount of money. You know, can you invest it for me? Right. So I don't ask people for money, right? People ask me to invest their money. And the reason why they ask me is because they see that I'm already doing the deals. Yeah, like you find without them, right. pretty much. That's I'm good without them, right? Yeah. So, you know, I've been in a position, I, well, I probably really haven't, I mean, I've been in a position where I needed money, let me not say that. But 
I would not come to someone like, hey, bro, I'm about to be broke. I need to take a break. <laughs> like, that's not really like exactly. That, that, that's that's more like borrowing. That's like friends and family type stuff. Right. right. So like if it's like one of your dogs, you'd be like, oh, man, I need, I need help. They'll help you. But that's not really raising money from investors. That's not the way you want to raise money from an investor. Definitely. Well, you know, that was a great episode, you guys. And we really got the, the information we needed from Mr. Daniels and everything from real estate investing to raising money to actually, you know, finding your first deal. So is there anything left you want to tell the people who wrote the billions, Mr. Daniels? Listen, every no gets you closer to that yes. Do n- never be afraid of what someone's going to say no. It just gets you closer to a yes. So just never feel bad about it, right? It, keep trying, keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. And at the end of the day, it's all worth it. You guys heard it straight from Mr. Daniels. Appreciate you guys for listening to Roll the Buildings podcast and check you out next episode.